It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder. What is going on here this week? I swear. You're just getting me in trouble with the listeners. That's what you're doing. You're getting yourself in trouble with the listeners. This is neither the time nor the place in this introduction that everybody comes to just to listen to. It's a meme among itself. This is how popular this intro is. And then you're tarnishing it. And you're getting me in trouble with the listeners. You're getting yourself in trouble. And plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. I'm second in command, obviously, today, Scott from ScottArtist.com. I'm just going to kick back. Obviously, you have things to say. <laughs> I'd like to thank all the listeners for all their support in my time of need. There's Scott no- beating me up all the time. No, actually, Over the airwave. we had listener Spencer drop us a line on Twitter, which was quite funny and came to my aid. Basically, he saw that Heather was trying to take over the show numerous times and said, this is what it's like when Heather interrupts Scott all the time. And then it showed that scene in Tortuga, this this gif or jif, however you want to say it, of I think it was Scarlet actually slapping our Captain Jack Sparrow. So that's what it's like for me whenever you interrupt me. On the show. It's like a slap in the face, really? Tortuga style. Yeah, it is. I don't think that's what that's. Spencer said it on Twitter, and he was coming to my aid because you have uh, hijacked the show a lot of times lately this week, especially. So that's all I had to say about that. Okay. What, you don't believe me? No. Apparently, I was called out for being a little bit rude to Heather and interrupting her, and then he sent the gif that showed... Me actually getting slapped, or at least Captain Sparrow. He said something to the effect of, this is what I imagine it's like when Scott is rude and interrupts Heather. And then it shows him getting slapped by Scarlet just in Tortuga there. Exactly. I don't know if I believe it, because as I said, I think it's really the other way around Uh, that's going on there. It's all in your mind. It's not all in my mind. A lot of it is in my mind. All of it. It's possible I was mistaken a little bit, but I doubt it. Because what I'm seeing is that I have been taken advantage of, especially with my introduction. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining us for minute 116 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Unlike yesterday, when I said I had nothing, but then ended up talking about my cold, shriveled heart and going back in time to listen to our first shows. Today, besides addressing some listener concerns for Heather's on-air safety, <laughs> I actually have nothing to report. Thus, I guess I'll plug our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group and our Parts of the Caribbean Facebook page. Wander on over and give us a like. Easiest way to find us is at facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. And there, you can show your solidarity and your support for what I have to endure every day while we do this podcast. And Heather interrupting what you guys have all come to listen to is my awesome introduction and tagline for the show. I wish you could hear my eyeballs rolling. Oh, we can. We can. They're like marbles. 
<laughs> it's almost the same sound that the hamster makes when it finally starts turning uh, in your head. It's whatever. like he's tripping over himself in there when your brain kicks into gear. Ah! Saying, I'm going to get more into listener trouble here. Yeah. No more listener trouble. I'll try and clean up my act for a little bit. I'll try and learn I don't my count lesson. On that. <laughs> he doesn't believe me. No. Shall we get started with some good old fashioned stabbings then? Yep. In the previous minute, thanks to the sounding of the alarm, Commodore Norrington's ambush squad realizes that the HMS Dauntless is under attack from the very pirates they were waiting for. How dare they ambush us before we could ambush them. The one-sided dying ensues as Norrington and his longboats dream of a two-stroke contraption that could drastically increase their ETA, in a scenario in which the newly minted Commodore loses yet another piece of pride of the British Empire. Meanwhile, Pentel and Rigetti slip into something a little more comfortable, a cannon port, and try to thwart the arrival of the Commodore and his men. In the captain's quarters, Governor Swan is doing a little thwarting of his own as he tries to prevent the loss of the sacred powdered wig. All hail the wig. Minute 116 begins with Governor Swan fighting for his wig with one of the cursed crew who managed to break a pane of glass on the door of the captain's quarters. The governor grabs a candle holder, question mark, and breaks the skeleton's arm off, thereby saving his wig. Captains Jack Sparrow and Hector Barbosa are continuing their sword fight in the treasure cave on Isla de Muerta. The minute ends with a moonlit skeleton Jack rolling the stolen Aztec gold coin across his fingers. He tells Barbosa, I couldn't resist, mate. Barbosa gives an irritated pshht and tosses a handful of pieces of aid at Jack as a distraction while he picks up his sword and rushes him. I take it the question mark was because you didn't know if that was actually a candlestick. I put it in there as a disclaimer because I think it is and I was trying to really look at it, but I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, it's got a really flat side on it. You know, like it, it can sit on a table type of thing. From the looks of it, that's kind of what I am going with. Not just a regular candle holder, but like if you really wanted a giant candle to be held up, right. that's what you would take. Yeah. At first, I thought it was uh, one of those things they use to tie the ropes down. I don't remember what they're called that go on the side of the boat of the ship. Scott doesn't remember what they're called either. You mean the belaying pen? Yeah, that thing. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> so at first, I thought it was one of those. And then I got a better look at it and seen that it actually had like a flat bottom to set on a table or something. Exactly. And so. the top has something on it that looks like it could hold a candle. Yeah. Therefore, I went candle holder. And since we kind of got off the big topic here, I really had this grand like transition to go from introduction and to the actual breakdown of the minute. And it was something like, well, ain't this minute dandy? But then you go ahead and bring up candle holder. You just had to converse about that. I was bringing up your question mark, actually. Nobody should bring up the question mark. It was just there to float around and people could go, I wonder what he really means by that. That was just leaving it to the wind. But I kind of actually knew that if I put that in there, you'd have to talk about it. It'd be like... I'm just showing I listen to you. <laughs> you wish you listened to me. We've proved numerous times on here that you don't listen. I'm listening tonight. From multiple surprises to a big reveal... I know everyone is just waiting for the big moment when the moonlight gives us a fresh new look at... Barbosa? Jack Sparrow. Have you watched this minute? What are you talking about? The moonlight gives us a fresh new look at a character in this particular minute. See, you're going to get me in trouble again with the listeners. How dare you ruin my stuff? I assume I you meant Jack, but... Well, you know what? I was trying to lead you there, but it didn't work. So you just completely destroyed where I was going with that. Yeah, I was going to say, aha, no, Governor Swan is what I was really looking for. Even though it was, you're supposed to say Jack because he does stumble into the moonlight and becomes a skeleton. I did say Jack. You denied my Jack. I'm going to try and be really good right now 
Maybe we need to have like elevator music and then you could hear some rumbling and then the background is we're wrestling this out. But what I'm saying is you didn't immediately go, yeah, that's got to be Jack because he's the one that we get a fresh new look at in this particular minute when he turns into a skeleton. And that's why I was going to opt for the, no, of course, we're talking about Governor Swan and you'd laugh and you'd go, well, that's not really the big reveal. It's Jack, of course, becoming a skeleton. But no, it got completely lost on you. I'm going to wipe the tear away from my eye because of that. And just move along and talk about Governor Swan. I mean, the headline for this minute, Governor Swan engages a symbolic battle for the wig. There's something I really like about this tug of wig sequence. When he puts his feet on the door to help with his leverage? No. Oh. Did you notice he put his feet on the door with help to help with his leverage? I'm going to say yes as politely as possible because I was going to have a sarcastic remark, but now i got to learn to control my feelings. i got to... I'm like, I think it's more sarcastic this way, by the way. <laughs> Dang it. I'm trying to, I need to slip in the sarcasm subtly or blatantly, either way. But yeah, it maybe it was. I don't know if I can change. I think I'm set in stone. Please send all your hate mail to Heather. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. We talked how he only had two real options because we assume he is lacking sword and fighting skills, yeah. right? He can escape out the stern like Elizabeth. Or, well, jumping into the ocean because he re- figured he really wasn't going to be able to climb down that makeshift rope anyways. But as we discovered yesterday, there could be another boat back there. Well, they're not just lining up. I mean, it's not the Pirates of the Caribbean ride where somebody just goes, brings another one. they put all the boats They back did, there? but did you see any... Uh, did you see any more? <laughs> really? You're getting me all fired up. <laughs> you guys don't want this bottled up. All this sarcasm in these comments, you're going to bottle this up, Spencer, dang it, man. You're going to cause me to bottle this up, and then it's going to explode one day. You'll hear on air, and then Heather will go, yeah, Scott just exploded. He's no longer with us. So, yeah, it's not like they would just bring another one there. We saw that there were no other boats tied up there. So, obviously, that was the last one. Maybe Pintel and Rigetti put their boat back there. Oh, my God. I'm not going to be able to get through this without... (laughs) (laughs) severe beatdown. Anyways, as I was saying, because you're trying to really interrupt me in my grand thoughts here, the options were, because I'm going to redo this again, is that he can climb down the rope or fall into the ocean or jump. We know that he wasn't necessarily going to be able to make it down climb. Or he could hide on the ship somewhere. He chose to hide, but after being discovered, he engages one of the cursed crew in this epic fight for control of the wig. So... What is the big thing that I was talking about that I really liked about it? This is his chance to prove himself. This is his chance to prove himself in battle, to contribute to the fight, and basically to do his small part. It's funny because... Small? It is a small part. I know, it's very small. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) I might not be able to get through this. I'm doing my best. It's funny because it really has no effect on the outcome of the good versus evil thing that's happening right now. But for him, it's a personal win. It's a symbolic win against the skeleton onslaught. That's what makes this cool. You don't see that? Yeah. It's almost as if his character's grown since we first saw him on the Dauntless eight years ago with the young Elizabeth. He was terrified of a potential pirate encounter when the merchant ship is seen on fire, right? Yeah. So we see that. Yeah. Now he's back on the Dauntless. He's fighting. And this time, yeah, he is having that nightmare he wanted to avoid. Instead of being consumed by fear, he's actually tackling his fear and overcoming it. And he's fighting not only pa- pirates, but skeleton pirates. That's right. Yeah. So and he's he gone won his win- wig back. 
That's right. He got his wig back. Even if it's only over a wig, the bigger picture is that he's not going to just cower in fear, but he's going to fight for what's right. He's going to fight. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) He's going to fight for Elizabeth, I was going to say. He is having all kinds of good character development this week that we saw. And I think that's pretty cool, actually. Because he's, ever since he came back on the Dauntless, he's kind of changed his tune lately with Elizabeth. So that's my Governor Swan breakdown as I grit my teeth and look across the studio. I don't get that. Hey, I just got a lot of pent-up anger right now. (laughs) You're you're just... You're just upset because people came to my rescue. They're supposed to come to my rescue. (laughs) You don't need to be rescued. I'm not beating up on you all the time. Oh, yeah? Well, this was my dream. This was... (laughs) Was it dream that they said in Goonies, actually? Oh, yeah. This was my wish. My dream. And it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. That might be it. That's kind of my feelings right now. I got a little mouth thing going on here. A little mouth thing? How dare you? Big mouth. I sure hope that listeners back me up right now. I hope I get come to the aid of the listeners. I think we should go to sword fighting. Okay. As we start to move to the Jack Barbosa scene, I wanted to set the stage for what we're seeing in this particular film. Or here in this minute. Well, both, okay? In the minute and in the film. Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio set a stage for sword fighting skills that command the universe with the main characters. Well, all the main characters except Elizabeth, because we don't really see her sword fighting. Not yet. Down the road. Some sequels. The swordsmanship goes as follows. Will Turner is the best. He not only makes swords of excellent quality, but practices with them diligently. Three hours a day. Because he needs to get oh, himself... Oh, point a- out, we've, we've went over this before. Uh, no, we haven't. Captain Barbosa and Commodore Norrington are equals. Have we gone over this? Oh, you're just pushing my buttons. <laughs> I don't think we hit Norrington. Oh. But we did Barbosa. No, we didn't. Jack and Will. No, we didn't. Yeah. Oh, you're testing me. You're testing my patience right now. Because we did not. Because Barbosa, I just said Captain Barbosa and Commodore Norrington are equals on the sword fighting skills. And I don't think we've talked about this before. And Jack is the worst, actually, of the main characters with the swordsmanship skills. Even when you're not the best, sometimes you still win. But when talking in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe or this movie... Jack might have won the fight against Will, but technically he did not win the fight. This is kind of stuff we talked about. Technically, being based solely on swordsmanship, Jack didn't win. And Will calls Jack on it when they're on the HMS Interceptor, and that Jack didn't fight with honor or the code and all that kind of stuff, so he invoked the pirate maneuver to win. But I just wanted to set the stage of comparing all of them. Of course, we talked about Jack and Will going sword fighting, but we didn't set them up in a hierarchy situation here. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to have that wikia set up. When we have our Pirates of the Caribbean Minute wiki on our page and it breaks all this down. Oh, I'll be right in a year or so from now. Yeah. (laughs) How dare you? I'll get it done. Jack and Barbosa, as I was saying, since I'm not really happy about that last little segment about sword fighting since you really kind of trampled on it. And I don't know why you didn't like it. Just trying to bring up the stage. I didn't like it. I just, you point out normally things that I repeat. And so I was pointing out things that have been talked about. We haven't broken it down like that as far as this hierarchy. So that's all I was saying. I just wanted to point out of how they were all set up against each other. Because we didn't really talk about that. Or maybe we did. I don't know now. I don't think so. I don't think we really talked about all that. Perhaps the two biggest surprises of the movie are actually found in this particular minute. Or maybe it's three surprises. Well, you can let me know what you think afterwards. If I'm still talking to you at that point. 
The first is when Jack stabs Barbosa. I wasn't expecting Jack to land a thrust, even though I know it wouldn't kill him. It was still a wow moment when Jack stabs Barbosa. Barbosa is even shocked, but gives kind of an eye roll knowing that he can't die, so what's the point of fighting like this anyways? Yeah. I also get the feeling that this is almost one of those pirate disagreements that maybe each of them have had in the past, but nothing will ever come of it. It's kind of that game will continue to be played as usual deal, like they've always done. Given the fact that we didn't see, say, Barbosa throw Bootstrap overboard, so our main characters seem to be locked in a point and counterpoint world where they're constantly at each other, nothing ever changes, they're just adversaries, they're just continual adversaries. However, when Jack stabs Barbosa. That's when I think Barbosa realizes the game has actually changed. Yeah. It's not the same as usual. It's revenge coming to fruition and taking the Black Pearl back. Killing Bootstrap. I mean, this was not a game when you get to the core of Jack when he realizes, like, he killed Bootstrap in this horrific way. He took the Black Pearl and Jack's out for revenge. And now it's not just this adversarial thing that just continues for years and years and nobody ever gets ahead or wins. There's no real ever conclusion to this fight. This is when it actually changed. Now, this isn't just sword play. This is, we're going to kill each other. Right. The second, and I contend this is probably the biggest surprise of the three, is when Barbosa suddenly realizes this is not the game, and he takes out his sword and stabs Jack. And I used the phrase yesterday regarding some history facts, but this really is the wicked cool action piece here. That is straight up incredible and is a huge shock to the audience. Yeah. I mean, were you expecting that? When no, you first saw it, I mean, think no, back. not at all. Because you get you go through this whole movie where Jack and Barbosa have this love hate relationship. They're really not to the point of killing one another. They just don't like each other, but yet they get along. But don't you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I did not expect this because Barbosa does not know that Jack took a coin. That's right. And so. He thinks he can be killed at this moment. And to actually see that Barbosa would act would kill Jack is completely is a complete shock. Yeah. That he would actually go down that, that road. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think this is the straight up incredible and huge shock for the audience. Sure, we saw him take the medallion from the chest or the coin from the chest, but that was all forgotten for a split second when Jack actually got stabbed. Yeah. Throughout the entire movie so far. All up 115 minutes, because now we're in 116. He has been this mortal character throughout the entire film. And it's hard to let go of that so quickly when Barbosa plunges that sword right into yeah. him. There's no way. It's like, oh my god, Jack just got stabbed. Yeah. The third is when Jack steps back into the moonlight and then changes into a skeleton. So that's not only something for the audience, but then it gives Barbosa that shock value as well. Jack played him, and then he got one up on him. Right. But I do have some likes and dislikes about this particular Jack backwards into the moonlight deal. The okay. big skeleton reveal. There's not a lot of them. Just a couple of points and something I'm on the fence about. Sometimes it's okay. Other times I'm wondering what's up with that. So the coin, the roll across the fingers. Uh-huh. This is what I go back and forth on. I can see Jack doing something like this. It's the magician trickster element. He's proficient at sleight of hand. And I know people can do this thing with the coin. Yeah. Some crazy magical people, because they must harbor magic to be able to do something like that. But I don't know if it works for me in this particular moment. Maybe it's a special effects on it, or just that he is bragging about being smart enough to have this insurance plan. I don't know what it is, 
But I go back and forth of like, okay, that rings true for Jack. And then other times I go, why did they put that in there like that? Maybe they should have left it out or did something else. Or him just flipping the coin and yeah. catching it. I don't know. Something rolling it across his knuckles like that. He's he, It's a rubbing it in Barbosa's face doing it like that, though. So that's all I'm saying. I don't know if it works for me or not. I go back and forth on it, like I said. I don't know if it's the special effects version of it. The idea of it, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's just something that here and there rubs me the wrong way. Well, he needs something to subtly show Barbosa that he's got the medallion, but it's got to be long enough for Barbosa to actually focus and realize what he does Maybe, have. maybe that's possible, yeah. You know? So he couldn't flip it in the air or something like Who that? You see it then. I don't know. Barbosa couldn't see it. I didn't say it. that I didn't like it all the time. Sometimes I just like, what is that about? Sometimes I give it the evil eye is basically what I'm saying. You can't shake your head. That's and my he's thoughts on it. He's showing his magic trick. Well, that's true. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why magic. I, why I put the sleight of hand deal in there. It's not like it is not unheard of for him or could be unheard of for him. I do like the skeleton transition, though. It's this really great quick change transition. And we talked about it before, so I'm not going to go into all the depths of this thing, these special effects for this. But this is one of those instances where motion capture was used for some of it. So Johnny Depp actually got into the track suit and performed on a capture stage to get those movements. Oh, okay. So it wasn't all just machination kind of stuff. But yeah. they actually did do a motion capture to get his mannerisms down for that skeleton. Well, you'd have to. Nobody <laughs> exactly. create those. <laughs> That's right. And they're like, we're having a hell of a time trying to recreate this in animation. So why don't we just do some motion capture for this? I like the way he's kind of twisting his hand around and looking at it. Well, yeah, because he's getting that for the first time. But it gives us a clue to how the curse works. It's not a gradual process of decomposition, but it's an instantaneous process. And as much as I wanted to have this, like, some kind of Dorian Gray thing that's accumulated over the years, it's really just an instantaneous thing. And I get that for the movie. You couldn't have him not show that because then it wouldn't make sense. Right. Then we'd all have to sit there for years and years and just watch him. And then finally he would decompose and he'd go, ah, I got it. <laughs> it's more effective to have the skeleton. Barbosa there. and Jack are waiting in the in the treasure room for years and years waiting for Jack to decompose. <laughs> exactly. Just so we could see that. You know, they'd have to flash something like eight years go by. But I guess the moral to that story is greed is ugly and the Aztecs weren't messing around when they did the curse. So they could make the curse however they wanted. But I still have an idea that it is some kind of reflection on their greed and their personality. Maybe it is just a reflection of because you stole from this, this is what greed looks like. Yeah. And so the curse is to make you a nasty skeleton dude. There we go. Solved. Yeah. There you go. What I didn't like. You didn't like something else? I didn't say that I didn't like. The first one was I'm on the fence. Then there was a like, and now I'm going to leave with a dislike. I didn't like the first line after changing into the skeleton. He says, that's interesting. Why? I don't know. Why? I think there could have been a better line. A better first line for him. I don't know. Wow, I'm skeleton? I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't round off the moment enough for me. That's interesting. Really? He's looking at his hand at that time. Ooh, I know this is PG-13, but I'd be like, holy. Well, he can't say that. And he knew. He couldn't say like, holy scurvy dog or I don't know. He knew they were skeletons. It just is weird to me. I know. Okay, you like it. It I don't like it. Does it fit? Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. And that's pretty much how it was written in the first 
draft of the script too. Yeah, it was yeah, a little bit you different. Say, wow, I turned into skeleton. I don't know. You know that was what happened. I said I didn't know what I wanted him to say. It's not like I sat down and wanted to come up with another line. I'm just saying it just is a little weird. I don't know what else you expect him to say there. Well, I don't because it wasn't a it wasn't a complete shock. He knew that would that's, that's what true. would happen. I'm not saying it wasn't. It's true. not like he didn't know. But if you all of a sudden see yourself skeleton, but you knew this is what happened when you stole a medallion or a coin. I'd be like, ha ha, you stabbed me and I didn't die. Damn you, Barbosa. What about that? Isn't that what the I couldn't resist mate means? Yeah, but the other one is, ha ha, just kidding. I'm still here. I'm a tricky little bastard. I don't know. It just doesn't fit for me. Okay. You're giving me the look like I'm unfit to be co-host now. You are too. How dare you? I didn't give you any look. You gave me a look. See, everybody now, behind the I scenes... I give you a look. They could go, yeah, you know what? We really feel for Scott. No. He's constantly beat down. We just don't hear about uh, it. I know. Maybe we can dive into some of this a bit more in the next episode. As I mentioned, the interesting character points with me for this fight and how it got real. But what occurs to me is that this fight, by the way, which is beautifully choreographed, between Jack and Barbosa is a fight between two people who want to kill each other but can't. But at a deeper level, they've avoided, or maybe they didn't really want to kill each other, as we were talking about before, right? Right. They can't from the Aztec curse thing because they are immortal, and then also just from a character standpoint. And that changes when Jack stabs Barbosa. So like I said earlier, it's really this symbolic gesture, this really symbolically interesting thing is that they can't kill each other because of the curse, but before they weren't able to kill each other just because of the way their characters were, or they're kind of a yin and a yang, yeah. or they're these adversaries that didn't want to let go of each other because yeah. they were still kind of, like you said, this love-hate relationship. Because otherwise, Barbosa would have just dropped Jack into the deep like he did Bootstrap. Right. He marooned him. He didn't really want to see him. And he marooned him on an island where it wasn't nothing. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's it's Yeah, it wasn't just like a sandbar out in the middle yeah. of the ocean. So that's a, that's all I'm saying is that there is an interesting symbol there in meaning with that whole curse that they can't kill each other. But then it does go to get to that point. So it's like Jack has finally had enough of this. But that's the question, though. I mean, Jack knows that he wasn't going to kill Barbosa when he stabbed him. Right. So is it Jack, the one who's really taking that to the next level? Or is it Barbosa? Or is that just a... But is, or is that just a an automatic reaction? Because he does look like he's in shock that he actually got stabbed like that. Jack was a Barbosa. Barbosa. And then he rolls his eyes like, you can't kill me. But then all of a sudden, he just snaps and pulls that sword out and then stabs yeah. Jack. Like, okay, we're ending that. But who is the catalyst for that then? Is it Jack taking that revenge to that next level and taking their relationship to that next level? But Jack knew he couldn't die. But still, though, is that just an automatic reaction, though? That's what I'm saying. What were the intentions? It's like trying to read the intentions of to the characters. Shock Barbosa. Okay, and then Barbosa tried to kill Jack. Then, uh-huh. so was he just angry enough at that point? Like he actually stabbed me. Now I'm taking this up a notch as well. That's what I'm saying. What are the who's the real? What are the real intentions behind the characters here? Well, Barbosa's had it. He's done. But was Jack also no have done with this no, whole thing? Jack knew he couldn't die. I know, but. 
when you're fighting like that, do you is that something that's on your mind though? Jack's always thinking. Okay. You're gonna, you're really difficult tonight. Just wanted to say that. If you want me to agree with you? Well, I'm just saying that is Jack you want me to turn around and tell you I feel that Jack started it? I don't know that. I mean it's when you're fighting like that, is it easy to forget that your opponent can't die? I don't know. I've never been in that situation. Well that's what I'm that's my question. Did he forget and is he just in this battle? For his own life, and he does that. Because I don't think he expected Barbosa to turn around and stab him like that. No. And neither did the audience. Right. So I guess that's the big question. Was it Jack's intention, and did, or did he just take... The, it was, it's like, say for instance, if you're wrestling, or kids are wrestling, or dogs are wrestling, whatever, playing. There's always sometimes... Well, there's always that one incident where someone takes it just a little bit too far. And then it goes from wrestling to, now I'm a little angry. Is that what happened here? They're doing their thing. They're wrestling. Jack takes it just a little too far by stabbing Barbosa. And then Barbosa just breaks his temper, loses his temper, and turns around and stabs Jack right away. And then trying to end this whole situation for good. And then be able to break and lift the curse. Yeah. So there we go. Because Barbosa's a little hot under the collar all the time. His anger's sitting right below. Well, that's because he's cursed and he's trying to get rid right. of it. And there's been some stuff that's been going on. So it doesn't take much for so they're both at fault, Barbosa to bubble over. So they're kind of both at fault then. Jack took it a little too far and then Barbosa overreacts, if you want to call it that. If we're still in our dogs playing kids wrestling scenario. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Something like that. Yes. I can see we're going to get nowhere on that. When... Barbosa says, you can't beat me, Jack. You see in the background, Will is fighting three pirates back there. That's right. All three of them sitting are fighting Will against Will right back there. That's what I was that's why I set the stage for that, that of the hierarchy for uh swords oh. swordsmanship. That's why I brought it back. There is a method to my madness. I just forgot to then You didn't say he was stuff. fighting three pirates. I forgot about in that. In the background? Well, I was setting it up that that's why Will is able to fend off three people because he has all those skills. Barbosa and Norrington are, say, second in line, second best. Yeah. Then Jack is kind of the third best here. Yes. But as usual, he does get kind of those pirate luck things that help him win because technically he kind of won. But Barbosa did let down his guard and says, you can't beat me, Jack. And that's when Jack stabs him. Right. So... You know, kind of technicalities there, but in a fair fight, it would have been interesting to see who would have won that. Right. And most likely Barbosa. So since we're not going to get anywhere on our intentions or sway each other, or really kind of get to the bottom of that, what do you think? Really bad eggs? Yep. Sounds good. Strike your colors, you blooming cockroaches. Hands, grapnels at the ready. Prepare to board. It's time for really bad eggs. Since everyone already knows mine as I chose it on Tuesday, it's from Barbosa when he says to Jack, you're off the edge of the map, mate. Here there be monsters. So we talked quite a bit about this pure awesomeness of a line from Ted and Terry. So I don't really want to rehash all that. But this line has so many symbols, great reference to old maps, the description and beliefs of the unknown in the 18th and earlier centuries, and artistic nature of map makers of the time. We also have like this link to the reality of the curse itself and how they as characters are in this uncharted territory. And also this Pirates of the Caribbean world, this post-curse world and universe is now in uncharted territories with all these new supernatural elements. What's cool 
is that just before you exit the attraction, your boat takes you by this map of Isla Tesoro. Okay. Okay, in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. If you look on the left-hand side of the edge of the map that you pass by, it says on the edge of the map, here there be monsters. Oh, really? So now I have seen some photos of the display when it opened, and then also how it looked in the 80s and 90s, but I haven't been able to get a really good close-up shot of the map to know if that phrase was always there or if it was added during a refurbishment or when they were redoing some of the scenes there. Yeah. Because they have to change that out. Some of that gets old after a while. So did they add that before all of this or did they add it after? So that's what I'm left wondering. Is it a before the movie or an after the movie? And that's my big question on that. I don't really know. I'd like to think that it was before the movie and then the writers just happened to see that and thought it was pretty cool and added that. Yeah. But that I don't know. And we'll probably have to try and track it down and see what we can find. Because I thought that was a pretty cool reference to the ride if that is indeed something or is now the ride referencing the movie. That what I don't know. Right. But if you do want to listen to more of that breakdown, like I said, you can go back on Tuesday's episode, which is episode 113, and you can hear our breakdown and discussion about Edge of the Map and maps and all that kind of cool stuff and sea monsters. So what do you have for us today, Heather? I'm going to go with minute 113 also. There wasn't a whole lot of lines in this week. What do you got? No pushing. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Me, I'm dishonest. And a dishonest man, you can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest ones you want to watch out for. Because you can never predict what they're going to do. Something incredibly stupid. That's a good line. That's probably the other best line in the whole week there. Yeah. For sure. And this is another one of Jack's whole brothers, sisters, mothers, you know, tongue-tied. I'm going here and then there and that type of thing. So it has... His whole poetry type of thing. Yeah, there's some artistry to it. And then there's also some confusion, like a distraction going on. Because he is distracting everybody. And then, as we talked about as well in that minute, so people can go back and check out Minute 113 if you haven't done so, is that there really is some great like character stuff going on with that. Because Jack is giving a code to Will. Yeah. Like, okay... Things are going to get happening here. The honest person will do something stupid. That's you. You're the stupid one. Be prepared because I'm going to kick this thing off. And it's interesting because he's actually the dishonest one who kicks it off. But he's given this message to Will, which is interesting. But just confusing everybody. Yeah. And I know we had a listener email from that from I think it was Caitlin who was saying how it was kind of an interesting circle and... You could, there's so many like permutations that you can have and look at it. They, they could keep you going for days. But it really is this element of Jack keeping us in the dark of who he really is or this trickster figure. Yeah. And so I think it's pretty cool as well. And it sums up Jack's character a lot too because he's this person that it's like you can trust him sometimes, but there's always a dishonest element behind it. Right. There's always something that's just for him right. or his agenda. So he may be telling you the truth or a partial truth. So you always have to read into it more than what you actually are doing. Right. Or what's on the face That's value. That's why Norrington doesn't trust him. That's right. And Barbosa doesn't trust him. And... It's not just face value stuff there. Yeah. And on that note, it's time for rum and sea shanties, kind of our typical Friday night extravaganza. So unless you want to say something to the crew out there, let's get the hell out of here. And hopefully we don't fall off the edge of the map as well. And I think it's probably going to be appropriate that we add our... Into the episode plugs. Maybe I'll do the 
the slap one because it really is appropriate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're slapping me for no good reason. What am oh, I talking about? Oh, no, I'm about? slapping you for a very no, good No, there's reason. no good reason for that. That's really weird. Huh. I don't know why you're slapping me all the yeah. time. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 117 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling and the slapping to a minimum. Now get me my grog. After the way you treated me, you want me to get you grog. Yeah. I don't think that's appropriate. Now, chop, chop. I hope everybody heard that. <laughs> Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat! Man, I obviously get no respect around here. Arr! So, Scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show... Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. It's that easy.